Welcome to the floor fantasy and sci-fi lore. We are still in Avernus. If you're not familiar, we've been covering the story of the descent into Avernus. This is the adventure that takes place before, between the events of Baldur's Gate 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. But we're also diving into the lore, which is histories and uh, creature features and all of those things along the way as we encounter the various aspects of the world there. This is part six. So if you haven't heard the others, we do recommend you check that out. Easiest on the Patreon, but you can also just do a search in whatever podcast app you use. This adventure, we are inside the Van Thumper uh, Manor in the kitchen where they have just encountered the Tressum for the first time. Uh, so that is where the adventure begins. If that is what you were looking for, this is the episode for you. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night to keep reading, keep watching, keep playing? So good you forgot your life and lived there? So good the moment it ended you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on the topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world, another adventure, Another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. Welcome to the floor, fantasy and sci-fi lore. We are continuing in our descent into Avernus Run. So this is part seven of that journey. So if you haven't been following us along, this may be a little bit confusing. What we are doing is going through the D&D adventure, Descent into Avernus, as it is a key narrative connecting point from Baldur's Gate 2 to Baldur's Gate 3. And we're diving into the lore points as we encounter them. Creature features, magical history, all of that deep lore stuff that we love here at The Floor. If you haven't listened to the first episodes, go back and do that. It's highly recommended. Let me give you a quick summary of some of the events in the previous episode leading up to here. The party was pressed into service by the Flaming Fist. They found a Cult of the Dead Three, which then led them to Mortlock, the youngest son of the Van Thumper, family. They are one of the patriarchs of Boulder's Gate, and the head of the family is one of the dukes. They then have been following him as he journeys to, you know, try and, try and unravel his brother's plot to kill him. You have journeyed to the Van Thumper family uh, villa in the upper city, and you have broken into the house. You were attacked by imps. Oh, and you were joined by Rhea Mantelmorn, the Hellrider Paladin. That's right. So she is looking for the Duke, believing she knows something about the disappearance of Thavius Krieg, who is the overseer of El Terrell, the city that disappeared. Rhea Mantelmore, real quick, is she the prayer? She is the, the one who prays, yes. <laughs> she is the Rhea Mantelmore, the one who prays. A little Returning to a brief low point here, the city of El Terrell was being attacked by vampires and undead and just wiping everybody out. The 
uh, at the time he was called the High Rider. He was the mayor or governor of the city of Elturel, was a vampire lord. And every night the citizens of Elturel would pray that the dawn would come sooner so that all of these undead could stop attacking and slaying and feeding on them. And then one day there was a second sun. We talked about this one. Yes. Then one day the dawn did come sooner, so soon that it destroyed all of the vampires. And then their minions were either left to wander mindless or d died as well. And so now tourists will come from far and wide as a pilgrimage to uh, El Terrell to pray that they will get... Yeah, you, you, you've done your, your, your research, yeah. I listen to my experts sometimes. So the next event that hit El Terrell, this is, what, this is where when Tha that is the moment when Thavius Creek takes over, right? The High Rider ended up being a vampire lord. And so the whole government shifts to this theocracy led by a high priest who they call the High Overseer, which is Thavius Creek. That's who you're looking for. The guy who, whose prayer brought about the uh, second son. Okay. Now, the outskirts of El Terrell were being attacked by demons, no, not demons, by devils, who were kidnapping people either as breeding stock for typhlings or to enslave to fight into the in the blood war. You said typhlings? I've heard it pronounced. Tieflings. Okay, typhlings. Is, is both correct or should we shame you? No, no, tieflings. I, I say it wrong sometimes. Shame Joe because, later. Got so it. here's the thing. If you don't encounter somebody saying certain words that don't match up with standard pronunciation... You read them a certain way, and then you learn to read them that way for a long oh, time. Oh, I sure know. When Eli was first doing, I want to say it was like original Baldur's Gate or Baldur's Gate 2, you kept correcting him. So he was like 80 hours in research mode, and he hadn't listened to one person say a word because he was so deep on the internet. There's like six different things. You were like, no, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. As these devils are attacking the little villages on the outskirts of El Terrell, once again, the people turn to prayer, particularly as a as a yeah. theocracy society, right? Like, prayer is big in El Terrell at this time. And uh, the person who leads El Terrell in the prayer that is finally answered is the young Rhea Mantelmorn. And an angel descends from Mount Celestia named Zariel, who will lead the riders of El Terrell into the Nine Hells to recover their people. So that is where Rhea Mantelmorn comes from. Yep. It was her who offered the prayer. She rode out with the yep. Hell Riders. She's one of the few who escaped the Nine Hells. But she didn't come back. And Zariel did not escape. Yeah. Some might argue she was promoted. <laughs> so, well, that's a spoiler. We're not there yet. <laughs> I didn't finish what I was saying. She could have just been at peace, you know, sleeping. All right. She got killed. So you're at the villa. You have entered the house. You've been attacked by imps. You're kind of going through a lot of empty rooms at this point. Aaron lost his skeletons. They were fighting off guards outside. And then we ran into the cook and, and his flying cat. Yes. So you encounter the cook and a tressim at her feet. And the tressim's name is Slobberchops. Good. So... Baldur's Gate theme is a really wonky character with a sidekick animal. Because I remember you guys told me about a crazy barbarian with a rat or something, or a hamster. Oh. In Baldur's Gate 1. Yes, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, Minsk. Yeah, Minsk and Boo. And apparently Boo's from outer space or something, possibly. Yep. She's a giant space hamster who's been reduced. 
dang. Nice. It's a genuine race, the space hamsters. But he's been shrunk to like the size of like a normal hamster. Can you undo? Well, we're not talking about that one right now. So we got the no, we're not. We've got the cook and his tarask. The 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 Tresim is at the cook's feet, trying to like catch any food that the uh, cook might drop, and the cook keeps trying to like kick it away. I'm gonna go try to befriend it. it. Okay, the cook or the food falling or the Tresim. <laughs> The Tressum. All right. So you're going to try and befriend it. You're going to, what are you going to do? Feed it? Uh, try to offer my hand, pet it, and then, and then move on to feeding. We should say which one of us is which because I feel like there's disadvantage for hypothetically an on fire barbarian trunk sticking <laughs> its hand out and gets the cat uh-huh. is just like do not the touch me. You are on <laughs> fire. <laughs> Least terrifying one. That makes sense. All right. Well, the cat is like, I'm hungry. I feed it. So you have fed it, and as long as you keep feeding it, it will follow you around. And the Tressim tells you how much she hates the Van Thumpers, that they starve her all the time to make sure she looks pretty. So she is more than happy to follow you around and sniff out poisons and see imps. Awesome. I will keep feeding that cat. Tressim. Okay, so also in the kitchen is a dumbwaiter that uh, goes up uh, to one of the rooms upstairs. And then uh, the pantry has a bunch of food and stock and supplies. We put it uh, all on the floor for the dressing. And then we put just start dumping Wait, stuff before out. we do that, I want to befriend the cook. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a roll. <laughs> Seven. No. <laughs> cook wants you out of her kitchen. Okay, we take all the food and run. We have rations. It's fine. Dang, T. <laughs> all right keep exploring with our new found pet okay so in the dining room uh there's an iron wrought chandelier that hangs above a black oak dining table surrounded by eight high backs chairs carved to look like devils Ooh. the fireplace dominates one wall flanked by red curtain windows and a handsome glass door wine cabinet stands against one wall as you step into this room, Slobberchops hisses to indicate there are imps, and you can see her staring at the chandelier, mm. which prevents the imps from getting their surprise attack on you, oh, right. but they still attack. Nah, man, why does everything want to start with a fight? Many... Just three, so I imagine that the six of you can take them pretty easily. Right. I swing wildly good. at the invisibleness of air. <laughs> <laughs> Once they take an action against somebody else, they are no longer invisible. Ooh, awesome sass. It's not uh, improved invisibility. Yeah, the real edge the imps have is with being invisible, they, they're they constantly dropping surprise attacks, so they get a whole round of combat on you before you can even get your initiative rolled. Yeah. I, as Karlak the Barbarian, hurl myself by jumping at one of them. <laughs> Did you say hurl myself? By jumping at one of them, yeah. Uh, I don't understand. It's, it's something we've said in one of our past episodes. It doesn't make I sense. jump at one right. of the imps. Just doesn't sound as cool. With, okay. with, so with... kill the imps. Oh wow! Easy. Now, if you search the wine case, uh, there's several bottles of fire wine. What's fire wine? Well, fifteen bottles of fire wine. Just a wine. Is it flammable? Right? Nothing special. Too much. Okay. Well, we want that. Then we can dump it on our barbarian later. So. There is a 16th bottle, however, that is identical to the others. Since you have slobber chops, you don't need a perception roll. She can tell you immediately this is a bottle of Midnight Tears. It is one of the priciest and deadliest poisons you can get in Baldur's Gate. Oh, my. 
A single dose, not a bottle, a single dose is with, worth 1,500 gold. Oh, wow. So, How much is a dose? Half a bottle? Just a drop, I think. That's all okay. you need. Okay. So it's a I very, have plans very for these 15 price, bottles. You can have the other one. So this is our next lore point, Midnight Tears. Yeah, where do these come from? I have a question about Karlak that I, I need to understand because I have some ideas here. If Karlak the Barbarian gets really mad, can she control what part of her body bur- bursts into flames? Like if she wanted to like ignite something, like just her finger caught on fire? I haven't fixed her engine, so I don't know. Um, while the engine is broken, she's just kind of on fire and can't really control it. All the time? All the time, yeah. That works for but me. You, she can like, if you give her an infernal coin... She can feed it to the engine and get, like, super on fire. Okay. Well, my theory right now is I have 15 Molotov cocktails that she can light at any moment. <laughs> you know? So you can have the other bottle, cleric guy, but I got some fireball. I got some, some poor man's fireball right here. You know, I'm going to cast it. Midnight Tears. It's a rare poison unique to the Forgotten Realms. Uh, and it is definitely a magical one, as the effect is not based on when it is ingested, but rather the stroke of midnight. As Ooh. such, it is hard to determine when the poison was given, but easy to identify. Because it's, it's on a, 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 a clock up for the moon. Yeah, at the stroke of midnight, that's when the poison kicks in. So even if you had it at 4 a.m. this morning, doesn't hit you till midnight. If you have it at 11.30... Still hits you at midnight. <laughs> that is some magic bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, hence the name Midnight Tears, right? That's when the pain comes. Ah, yes. So, the book says that poisons can be crafted uh, if the adventurer is uh, proficient with a poisons kit and has the ingredients. But those ingredients are not always listed, but sometimes you can, like, deduce uh, the ingredients of a poison, such as a carrion crawler mucus. And a carrying crawler is a creature you can fight. Yeah. So pretty easy to figure out where you get that component for that poison, right? Uh, but the Midnight Tear is vaguer. So I really scoured the internet uh, looking for it. Uh, but we're going to take a brief break, and I will tell you what I found in the Wild about Midnight Tears. All tears. right. Yay. Okay, so we have been mentioning at the end of our episodes recently about the treasure room, how, as Aaron likes to describe it, in the floor we go deep into things, but in the treasure room we kind of go wide. And we wanted to give people who have never been in the treasure room uh, a little bit of a sample. So going forward, we'll probably be uh, putting in little bits and pieces here. So here is a small clip uh, from the treasure room. We hope you enjoy it and are interested in uh, learning more in there. I really want an owlbear if I'm a necromancer. What? Be- because uh, owls, uh, they they don't poop things out. They They just eat things whole, digest it, and it gets turned into these pellets. And then they vomit up the pellets that have all the bones that are already cleaned. Oh, interesting. And so owl bears, like, will just constantly be producing bones for you that are cleaned and packaged. 
It's an efficient business model. Summon those. You wouldn't even need to be a necromancer. You'd just be like, bring your bodies to me. We'll clean them for a fee. All right. Midnight Tears and the Fey Wild. So, like I said, this is taken from someone's homebrew. They posted on Reddit, but. Of all the theories and ideas about where this component would come from, this one felt very well done in world, very well thought out, and just really fit everything. And like I said, uh, in the in the actual hard lore of the game, there isn't any explanation. Uh-huh. So this uh-huh. is what uh, the uh, writer, a uh, wild esper, came up with. Right, uh, the Feywild exists in a perpetual state of dusk. This is known by all. What few know is that in the court of summer and winter there exist courtyards in which the sun and moon shine down in isolated pockets of noon and night endlessly. Within the court of winter, black violets grow amidst freshly fallen snow under a cold moon. From the violets one can harvest a drop of nectar known as midnight's tear. It is said that the poison cannot harm any member of the winter court, and those of the summer are particularly vulnerable. A clear, odorless, colorless liquid. It only reveals itself as an inky black poison when it comes into contact with cold iron. And I was like, that is, that is, that is someone who really is familiar with uh, the Forgotten Realms, their lore, how it's written, and I just, I felt that it's so good it should be canon. Yeah, that is great. And, well, so... I'll take that. Here's the awesome part about it. If you don't want to take that, uh, we have our Dune intro episode, and in it, Eli talks about force fields, and Frank Boop. Herbert, uh, how they're explained is basically, you don't even understand it's soft magic. And so if you don't want to take this awesome Reddit post as the lore point, you can just be like, I don't understand, I don't get it, it's magical, it kills people at midnight. Yes. So, well, the he- the expl- explanation here is not how the poison works. What this explanation is, how do you make this poison? Where would you get that ingredient? <laughs> you visit the winter court and collect the nectar from the violets that uh, grow there. Uh, you ransack someone's house. <laughs> That's how we got <laughs> it. Ransack someone else. <laughs> Karnak holds up her bottle. <laughs> and then I just, that's how we got ours. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds like a bunch of random made-up jargon. <laughs> like, like, this stuff grows on shelves. <laughs> In rich every, every people's fire whiskey, you know. <laughs> As Shadowheart observes the thing and Speaks of the lore of the violets in the Shadow Court and the Feywild, Carlax. Now, now, this is how you get it. <laughs> it's just like, I'm just trying to inform you here. <laughs> is that like, the difference between like uh, Conan Exiles and uh, Skyrim? Conan Exiles, you ask, how do you get something? Be like, well, look up your knowledge tree, identify the essential components, gather them. Build the item. And then in Skyrim, how do you get this? Be like, you kill somebody, take it off his dead body. It's how you get everything. <laughs> you know, in Skyrim, you can actually play as an alchemist and actually learn how to make the potions. But the fact that even you, Joe, the min-maxer was like, that seems like too much work. <laughs> You're right. You just kill like people the... and take it off their dead body. That's how you get stuff in Skyrim. It's the diplomatic way of doing it in Skyrim. <laughs> the iron price. All right. So just beyond the dining room, you see a lifelike statue of Duke Van Thumper cradling her tressum in her arms. 
it is startling for the briefest moment as you think you've actually encountered the Duke herself. Beyond her are the stairs to the second floor. Uh, At the question. top, yes. The, the, the Tresum we see, is it the same one pussycat face that we made friends with? Yes, that's the that's the 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 statue has that cat in her arms. Uh-huh. Can we can we ask the Tresor what it thinks of the picture? What it thinks of the picture? <laughs> yeah, I guess the Tresor would be like it's a lie. He says, "I hate it here." He says, "But I I don't know where home is." All right, you know, Should... he was kidnapped in the night, brought here in in a in a cage and sold to the Van Thumpers, right? That's his life. Uh, well, Doesn't know how yeah, to get it's... home. He teed it. Yeah. So, all right. So, that sucks, dude. Beyond the stairs to the second floor, you will see five guards, each guarding outside a door. Seeing the blood on your clothes and Mortlock, they turn and prepare for battle. One calls out, Thirstwell, Mortlock lives. Ooh. So, give me your roll. See if we get a one, someone dies. Eight and a fifteen. Why'd you roll twice? For me and Aaron. Oh, I rolled a fifteen. <laughs> Carl, I got a fifteen. Claire got right. an eight. Okay, so you kill the guards. You begin searching the rooms. We'll go through the basic rooms first. So, the room there's one room with some fairly nice, decent clothes. Another room with like barely anything, just a bed. Morlock says it's his. Uh, then you go into Thirstwell's room, and he is in there cowering. Uh, uh, before we do the Carlac or the Thirstwell room, can uh, what is that Morlock wearing? Anything Morlock? nice? Yeah. Just a piece of dirty cloth, almost like a loincloth. All right, let's put him in that nice clothes we found in the first room. They will not fit him. Emmerich is like half his size. Okay, well, let's cut him up and like apart some more. Cut him up. <laughs> Hodgepodge him together so he looks a little nicer before we go beat up his brother. Tell us. <laughs> brother. Okay. Now yes. he looks spiffy in these patchwork quilts. Let's go beat the fuck out of his brother. <laughs> All right. So in Thirstwell's room, right, drab curtains cover the windows of this plain room, which contains a bed, a padlocked iron chest, and a claw-footed iron bathtub and a fireplace. Standing in the middle room is Thirstwell Vampire, a frail and hateful 42-year-old man. We got all that from looking at him? Rhea Mantlemorn demands to know where his mother is, and he doesn't answer. He just attacks, and several invisible imps join. They don't get surprised because you've got the Tressum there to warn you. Jabberjaw. Slobber chops. No, I'm jabber John, so I won't say that. <laughs> so jabber. Slobber chops because I was hungry. <laughs> so, all right. So you battle thirst well. I don't want to kill him. All right. If you don't kill him and take him prisoner, he is more than happy to trade his knowledge for his freedom. Sweet. Yep. We're fine with that. Okay. Go. First, so, though, I want to brand him with that uh, Corvax <laughs> hand. Corvax <laughs> hand. Yeah, just like just grab his put face. Put it on just, his chest. Just like, if you, if you shortchange us or try to screw us, it's a lot more where that came from, just right in the middle of his chest. Right in the middle of his chest. Uh, branding right. doesn't work the way it does in D&D as it does in the real world. It, it takes a lot to actually brand somebody because of the amount of healing there is in this world. Okay, well, I want to hurt him a lot. 
uh, by putting my too. fire okay. hand on him. Like the brand could come off. The pain in that moment yeah. is real, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So my, I punctuated what I was saying properly. Pain. <laughs> All right. His mother, the Duke, is in the dungeon below the villa, uh, the entrance to which is through her bedroom. Uh, and she is in there with, down there with Thavius Krieg. She and the former overseer of El Terrell are plotting to seize control of yeah. Baldur's Gate. He and his okay. brothers recently stole the shield of the Hidden Lord from a crypt under the city. A powerful devil named Gargareth is trapped in the shield and has vowed to help the Van Thumpers conquer Baldur's Gate if released. And Thavius Krieg is confident that he can devise a way to release the devil no. from the shield. Thavius arrived in the city a few days ago with a puzzle box that is currently in his chest. And uh, Thavius has let the family safeguard the item while, while he studies the shield. So in the corner is his chest. And Thurswell uh, gives you the keys to open it. Jack. Which reveals the infernal puzzle box and a potion of healing. If you demand he open the puzzle box, he refuses and says he can't. Any further threatening or harming him will yield the same result as he actually can't you open it. You said further yes. threatening, and you meant further threatening. <laughs> yes. Anyways, right. continue. So, we've got the puzzle box. Don't know how to open it yet. We've got yes. Jabber Jaws, Slobber Chops. Uh, we killed a bunch of imps. Uh, I think that's kind of where we're, where we're at right now. We're upstairs, right? Yep, you're upstairs. So the next room to search will be the Dukes. And then, uh, as Mortlock indicated, we're going to go downstairs where Thaddeus... You'll need to go into Let's the dungeon. Let's go search the last yeah. room, and then I think that would be perfect to wrap it up there. Actually, let's wrap it up here, because that kind of launches us into... There's a bunch of yeah, stuff we in search, that room we don't know that's really important. So. We'll find out you next time. Oh, cool. There will be. I know that. Find out next time. Um, but yeah, so next year we'll check the Duke's room library and all of that. Steal her loot, I imagine. Of course. And nope. journey into uh, the dungeon. No. Repurpose. It's not stealing. <laughs> what are you, a kinder? Kinder or is the, what's the other one? The uh, the elves drow. It's like, as long as you're not caught, it's not stealing. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you're familiar with the kinder, but the kinder believe... Everything is owned in common and only borrowed as needed by the Isn't by that like a, someone wait, else. Who are the kinder? You told me about them when we were talking about dwarves. I think they're halflings on the world of Kryn. So, like, you, like people are always like you stole this. Be like, I borrowed it. I needed <laughs> it. You know, like, and they think that like when people like humans and elves lock stuff up in vaults and stuff, it's making it a game to borrow. Right. Like, look at this elaborate game. You have to play to borrow their <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you have to play to borrow their stuff. <laughs> Must be good stuff to borrow. <laughs> right. The stuff was there to be used by somebody who needed it in that moment. So you taking yeah. it means you were the one in need. This is not yep. stealing. It was there for you. So, yep. so how do Kenders feel about utility belts? Like, Do they wear those? Or like, if they have stuff in those belt? things that's... Not properly sharing. So, I mean, they, they, they have stuff they need. And uh, if somebody takes their stuff, they just take more. They're like, oh, somebody must have borrowed my knife. I'm going to borrow yours. 
<laughs> do they <laughs> borrow off of people is my follow-up question. Yes. Like yes, yes, yes. They will borrow right out of your yep. pocket. Oh, my gosh. A Kender-Batman combo would be amazing. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to use this thing. I don't know yeah. where it went. <laughs> Kender's like, I'm so glad I have this thing that I found. I'm so glad I have this I think he's going to be more like a Robin. The Kender? Little... Oh Little yeah, guy. actually, Dick Grayson, I could actually see taking out of Batman's utility belt, like mid anything happening, no big deal. Hey, hey. He probably <laughs> has. Yeah, Damian Wayne for sure, but vindictively. I have rights to this. I Anyways, I would use this better than you anyway. <laughs> that that is Damian. See you listen. All right, treasure room question. What D and D animals? Because I don't know this very well, so this would be good for us. Uh, less than super knowledgeable uh, D&D players. What D&D animal that closely resembles an actual like human pet in real life would you want as a pet in your daily life? Ooh, yeah. So this will be up to you guys mostly because I really only know about the Tresum and Hellhounds, which I don't really think that <laughs> is okay. close just based off their lineage. All right. We will talk about that in the treasure room. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We have mentioned in the past that if you go to the Patreon page, we have collections of all the different worlds and pieces of lore we have covered. For example, if you want everything we have ever done about Baldur's Gate, from the invention of D&D to Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that, you can find individual collections for all of those, or just one big collection containing all of Baldur's Gate or all of D&D. So everything we have covered, everything we have covered... Eberron, Marvel, DC, Alien Zooniverse, Cyberpunk, Dune, and more. We have collections for each of those worlds. And I do want to mention that on the Patreon, the only thing behind the subscription is the Treasure Room content. Anything that has been released in the podcast for free is still free there. It is just a better organization of the information that the podcast app doesn't let us do. They are just a big list and you just got to type in your search words. On the Patreon, there are tags for everything. You got Fantasy, D&D, Creature Features, Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. Just an individual tag for those episodes. And as I said, we do have collections just to make this as easy as possible to find what you're looking for. We have learned in the past that a lot of people who listen to the floor, they're interested in one or two of the worlds. And they may check out one or two of the episodes when we switch worlds. But they're really just mostly interested in that. So we just want to like consolidate everything you're looking for to make it just as easy as possible to access so check that out just to make your life easier and uh, we are working at making sure you can download any of the free episodes there so even if you're going to lose wi-fi or connection you can get the episodes you want before that happens or just not burn your data while you're traveling to and from work or whatever else is you do while you listen and uh thank you i hope you continue to enjoy the show